Good afternoon. I'm Tim Swindle, Director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today for a conversation about paleoclimate or climate in the past is Jessica Tierney, an associate professor in the Department of Geosciences at the University of Arizona. Jessica, thanks for coming in and sharing your research. Great. Thanks for having me, Tim. So explain a little bit about how you find out what the climate was in the past. What we do is we first have to find an archive, some sort of natural archive that records climate change in the past. So this might be, for example, a tree. Uh, the rings in a tree uh, get wider or narrower depending on how much rainfall there is. Or it could be a coral uh, where we can measure, similar to a tree, bands in a coral through time and measure different geochemical indicators in there, geochemical meaning different uh, trace elements, the composition of the coral. You've been working a lot with the Horn of Africa and the Sahara, I believe. So what is the primary archive that you have there? In the Horn of Africa, it's a very dry place, drier actually than Tucson, and there aren't many trees on the landscape or lakes that might hold a climate archive. So there we're actually relying on sediment cores that we take offshore from the Gulf of Aden, and that's the body of water that's just to the north of the Horn of Africa. Of course, the interesting thing is, well, how warm or cold has it been in the Horn of Africa, and how wet or dry? First of all, um, in agreement with observations, it has warmed fairly substantially in that region in the last hundred years, and in fact, that warming is essentially unprecedented in the last 2,000 years. And then in terms of how wet or dry it was, in this case we found that the Horn of Africa has been getting progressively drier over the last 100 years. And once again, this seems a bit unusual. It has been this dry before in the last few thousand years, but we've never seen a change as fast as this one. You say you've seen changes in the past, so has it ever been a green place? Actually, the Horn of Africa and also, all of the Sahara was green around six or 7,000 years ago, which seems like a long time ago, but to geologists, that's not that long, actually. And this is a time period that we call the Green Sahara. So what is today a very hyper-arid place with quite a few sand dunes was at that time a place that was home to grasslands, large and deep lakes, and also Neolithic humans lived and thrived in the Green Sahara. So this represents a really large change in the rainfall over that part of the world. And how does the Green Sahara compare to the rise of the Egyptian civilization, for example? Great question. So it turns out that Egyptian civilization really kicks off right at the end of the Green Sahara period. So the idea there is that when the climate was very wet, we had evidence of Neolithic settlements throughout the Sahara around different lakes that today, of course, they, these lakes no longer exist, but at the time there were quite a few of them. And then once the climate dried out, you can see that the populations start to move to the Nile River Valley, which was a perennial source of water. And shortly after that, we start to see the rise of pharaonic civilizations. So urbanization, the concentration of populations was in part uh, an environmental necessity because uh, folks couldn't live out you know, anywhere in the Sahara anymore. They needed to be near uh, a constant water source. Of course, you're studying a desert area. We live in a desert area. Are there lessons for 
the American desert southwest from the things that you're studying in Africa? One thing that we've learned from Africa is that the environment can shift quite rapidly between a very, very dry state and then a quite wet state. And so that sort of shifting, we believe it, it happened quite quickly, actually, that the Green Sahara went from wet to dry around 5,000 years ago and perhaps in as short of time as a few hundred years. That's not to say that that will necessarily happen here in Tucson, uh, but all the same, understanding the sources of rain to Tucson is quite important. For example, the North American monsoon, which brings our summer rains, and then also the storm tracks, which bring our winter rains. Not to mention figuring out whether you can drive home tonight. Yes. <laughs> Jessica, thanks again for speaking with us. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this has been Arizona Science. You can hear this and other Arizona science conversations by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.